Yeah, we've got a couple announcements. Um, again, if you go on uh, lakeandvineyard.org, go ahead and watch a video real quick, and uh, then we're going to get started. Perfect picture, the space and time splitter, the Augustan calendar plumb line. We all know what common error means. Please, the I'm telling you, this is epic. Wait for it, I'm gonna fix it. The promised neck crusher with a bruised heel. It's so real. The image, the law was picturing. And prophets trying to concoct words about breathing word. Get it? Breathing word, word that breathed the breath of life who invented both. Whoa, word. The start and stop or stay stunting like my daddy. Homie, the great I am's great I told you. The system flipper over. The overture you missed. The back is the front. Homie, left side up. The greater and higher jihad. Greater revolution. Earthly kingdoms are pitiful. The second in rank, equal in essence. Laughing at demigods, cause <laughs> demifraud. But for the joy set before him. The this kingdom works backwards. The ruler serves, servant king, suffering servant, sit with that one. The endless and eternal, I owe you one big bro. The savior, irrespective of rank, race, and religion. The incomparable good news, the I'm all you got, partner. The good luck without me, bruh, bruh, but it's all good, your smell don't bother me. I love you. The still sitting at right hand, giggling at earth kings. Your entire empire is a card castle. No hassle, the sound that his person and came in camp with underlings, whose light and life was the light and life of all human beings. The yeah, I'm that guy, the I'm that dude, the I'm period, the second person, fully God, fully king, him, the owner of death keys, the I'll take that and raise you one, the raised one, the living and breathing liberty bell that'll never crack. The warning, the dawn of the last morning, the I'ma be right back, the I'll deal with you later, the I am not at all shook in any way by Satan. Does a painting scare a painter or does he just destroy the canvas? The until then I'ma post right here waiting for these suckers to prop my feet on. And when pops say I'm on my way, scooping my dime up, let's roll girl. The one and three and one, all sufficient son of Elohim, that's Jesus, Yahshua, our prophet, priest. King, our prophet, priest, king. Let's pray. God, we just uh, thank you for this time that we can come and uh, worship you this morning. And we pray, Spirit of God, would you come and have your way in this place. Amen. And so that's what when I when I rap, that's what I picture myself as. So I don't hair is all yeah, I can get a wig, right? Okay. I'm kinda like that lady at Zumba, you know, <laughs> like now I'm at least I'm not okay. Um I'm thinking I'm good. Okay, so now we've been, we're going to ask this question for weeks to come as we work our way through Mark, uh, surely but slowly, but we're asking that question, who is Christ? And, uh, and today we're going to be looking at Mark 1, 14 through uh, 20, uh, to get a better perspective of just who Christ is. And um, 
And if you guys want to know, that's propaganda. He's a rapper. You need to check his stuff out. All right. If you don't like rap, you should listen to it anyways. All right. And so, um, so I've been delivered a lot of good news uh, in my day. All right. And I'm sure you guys have too. But I think about little stuff, um, like little stuff when they told me like, hey, you made the all-star team. Okay. So they felt sorry for me. Uh, like being accepted into Florida Southern College and then being accepted again into Florida Southern College after I was on academic probation. <laughs> but that's for another time. Um, I all, what? Um, true story. We'll talk about it later. Um, and when I mean later, never. And so, also, I remember some big things like uh, asking Jen to marry me, and, and uh, she said, of course I'll marry you. You're the man of my dreams, my north, my one and only. <laughs> and it went on and on, but I don't, we don't have time for today. And, and so I think it more like went, hey, I'm studying for finals. Do you have to come over right now? So that was the actual line. And then I remembered um, Jen saying seven months into our marriage, because we were on a five-year plan for pregnancy, and Jen said, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, what? And uh, which answered, all, that, that, that brought a lot of answers, all right, namely the cause of pregnancy. And so good news, um, it's, it, it's good stuff, right? And, and so when I get good news, I'm pumped. You know, whether it's something like, dude, Andy, there's an extra donut out. Or even better, like, Andy, there's two extra donuts out here. And so I'm a sucker for donuts. But, um, but when you get good news, you're like, yes. All right? I mean, good news is just great stuff. And, and so I don't, kn I don't know too many people that react to good news. Like, yeah. You know? Hey, man, I'm going to take you out to lunch today. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to pay off your mortgage. Meh. Meh. I mean, can you imagine getting a meh? <laughs> You're almost like, never mind. I'm not doing it, okay? Uh, but you don't react like that to good news. And I'm, I'm sure at some point in time that, that you've been on the receiving side of good news. And whether it's large good news, you know, or whether it's this small little thing like, hey, I, I got you, I don't know cheeseburger, all right, uh, but you, you don't meh, all right, it brings something in you like, wow, thanks, man, you thought about me, and so the question I want to ask today is, so what is the difference between good news and good news, all right, because I think there's a, there's a variation that we're going to read about in, in here today, so if you would uh, look at the screen or if you have a, if you have a Bible, how old school of you. Um, if you would look, though, at uh, Mark 1, 14 and 15, it says later on, uh, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. He preached God's good news, capital G, capital N. Uh, the time promised, this is Jesus saying, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the capital G good, capital N news. And so we have to put ourselves in, in this place, though, right? So Jesus is c 
coming to Galilee, but we can't just separate that. We have to connect it to what we talked about two weeks ago, where where was he coming from, though? All right, so he was coming from doing battle with Satan in the wilderness for 40 days. All right, and in that, there was 40 days of fasting that was going on. And I'm not talking about the kind of fasting where you're saying, I'm just going to leap out in faith, and every other Tuesday, I'm going to fast Wi-Fi from 7.30 to 8, okay? I'm just going to give it to the Lord, all right? I'm not talking about that kind of fasting. I'm talking about, like, fasting like I'm not going to eat fast. And so he's coming out of that. And I got to admit, I mean, if in this situation, if I was Jesus, I think that is the time I would have flipped the tables. How hangry would you be? Think about it, man, all right? But that Jesus isn't me, thank God, all right? And so he's coming out of this. He's coming out of the wilderness. He's coming uh, from being baptized, the preview of the end, right? Death to life. He was going to his life that would lead then to his death that would give us life. And so we have to say he... He, it was something more. This good news that he preached was something more than, dude, free hot dogs at 7-Eleven today. All right? I mean, yeah, I'm pumped about that. All right? Anybody else with me? Okay, and that, the question that begs free hot dogs is why do we still try to put lettuce in a, or relish in a squeeze thing? You know? Think about that. I mean, this is stuff that we have to think about, though, right? You're at Sam's, the relish, you know it's coming, but you're like, geez, what? Okay, but anyways, okay, so what he's saying is it's more than this. What he's saying when he's using the capital G there is what is he referring to? It's the continuation, the fulfillment of God's story through Christ. That's what the good news is. Again, we talked about it two weeks ago, that that page that separates the New Testament and the Old Testament is hugely important. And we like think like, well, if I back up to there, I don't have to follow anything here. Okay, like that's just this is old school stuff. It doesn't matter. Okay, not true. All right. Here, this is one Bible. All right. This is the deal. It's the story of God. There, yes, there's a page that separates the New and the Old Testament. Why don't we call it the First and the Second Testament? I don't know, okay? But we, we get caught up in this. So this good news is a continuation. See, Christ is good news. Christ is the continuation of good news that God had for all time there, all right? And so he is the fulfillment of the good news. And he, and he says this. He says, the kingdom of God is near. So we have to remember that the kingdom of God is not a geographical location, but it is an actual event, all right? So what Jesus is saying here is that God, through himself, through Christ, has brought the future reality into the present. And so we have to grasp this. If we're, if we're followers of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a, you're a kingdom person, and you have to be about the king's business. And so to taste the future age. And that sounds like when I heard that the first time, I'm like, dude, that sounds so weird. Right? Like the future age. 
Does it sound weird to anybody else? Am I the only one that it sounds weird to? All right. And I think so because we, we like, we hear new age and then you hear future age and you're like, dude, is that the same thing, bro? Like, what are you doing here? Okay. And it's not even close. All right. To taste the future age, which simply means heaven, because this is why Christ said, hey, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Okay, on earth as it is in heaven. All right, that's what he's saying. And it simply means that the kingdom is breaking in. When you pray for someone and they get better, the kingdom has broken in. When you give somebody a cold bottle of water in the name of Jesus, the kingdom is breaking in. All right? And so when we, as Christ carriers, experience these moments of breakthrough, we have to realize that any moment where we're alive is a moment where the kingdom can break in. Where a conversation can go from, man, I'm having a really cruddy day to this and that, and then you say, can I pray with you? And then the whole situation turns around, all right? Or if someone's feeling bad. And if you guys, let's just take a moment right now. Stephanie Nutter is on her way to Africa, and she is not feeling good, all right? Is she better now, or is she still kind of rough? Okay. So, God, we just pray that your kingdom would come right now in the name of Jesus. God, you know uh, what is going on. You know the, you know, the 36 hours of travel that they have to do. Um, and would you just come and your kingdom come right now uh, in Orlando International Airport. Come and have your way uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. So think about this with me, though. So the future created by God, and this is, I read this, don't think I came up with this, all right? I read this in a book called Breakthrough by Derek Morphy. It says, the future created by God is no longer a flickering hope so far away we can't grasp it. Rather, it has come in Christ. It is ready, now this is back to me here, all right? It is readily available. Oscar Holman explained it like this. I think this is one of the best things when we talk about the now and not yet all right to experience the kingdom of god now but then we see stuff that happens to people and we can't explain why why do good people die i don't know because we live in a reality that's in this tension of the kingdom coming and breaking through and then people passing away that are good people you know i can't explain two summers ago um, I lost a student, all right? She was on a, she was in a camp, a youth camp. She was on a good thing, and, and they forgot one of her um, side harnesses or something like this, and she was on this swing, and she fell, I don't know how many feet, 100-plus feet to her death. You know, I can't answer that question. Why? You know, and, and I found myself, looking up why and there's just some things that we will never know this side of of the glory we just don't we can't understand it and so the best explanation i've heard of the kingdom is like this um much of the uh, allied invasion or the allied invasion was into europe um a lot of it, there was this day called D-Day, all right? 
And so as history has shown, this is Oscar Coleman saying this, as history has shown, this was the decisive battle of the Second World War. One of the Allies um, have successfully set up for military position within Europe. Right? So the Allies set this up. And it was only a matter of time before Hitler's army was defeated. However, D-Day was not the end of the war. It took months before the Axis powers were mopped up and Hitler finally surrendered. This was V-Day, the moment of final victory. The time between was a period of delay when the war was won, but not yet won. The army that invaded in D-Day was precisely the same army that took the final surrender. The same generals, the same division, and most of the same troops. Of course, they were livestock. That invaded on D-Day, pushed forward, and took the war on V-Day. All right? <coughs> Without D-Day, V-Day doesn't happen. All right? And so... There's this time that we have to look at. The time between the period of delay was no, was the battle was won, but it was not yet won. All right, and so when is the battle won? Won? That when that is when Christ returns. All right, so we live in what's called the tension, the now and not yet. We see the kingdom break through, but we see horrible things happening around us. I watched a thing earlier. Uh, last week, whereas uh, this guy was talking, and he said, you know, how's your soul? What are you feeding your soul? And he said, the only, if you're continuously feeding your soul garbage, okay, if you're <coughs> nonstop on CNN or Fox News or Drudge Report or whatever, and you keep feeding yourself this stuff, why do you think you're walking around like, oh, the world, we're going to hell in a God forbid you spend some time in here, get to know the author and the finisher of, and the truth of life, and then you realize, eh, all right? Is there important stuff that's going on? Yes. Okay, understand that, I mean, life literally is a flicker. And so what do you do with the years that you have here? And, and so, you know, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, like, they're not our deliverers. Has it, let's look, has it worked out so far? Okay, what are we on, 45 now? Or 46 one's going to be the one. That's going to be the game. Stop. Like, you know, I mean, is it going to change political policy? Yes. But we still know the king, still know the author. We know the end in Jesus. And, and so when he says this, that the kingdom of God is near, repent of your sins and believe the good news, he is the living continuation and the fulfillment of this good news. And so if we read on in verses 16 through 20, it says this. One day, Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing the net into the water, 
for they fish for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to make, how to fish for people. And they left their net at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men. And so first of all, I want to, you know, and I think you've probably heard this a thousand times, okay? Who's he calling here? Did he go to the temple? Did he go to a, a, a teacher's home? Did he, did he look for the most qualified people to follow him and join his team? You know, somebody sent us a card, uh, said, can you imagine Jesus on Twitter? He only has 12 followers, all right? And so, and so now think about this, though. He, he picks fishermen, all right? And we're going to learn later on that he picks some other people that we might we might say the man to that that's going to be your leadership team. Seriously. I don't know about that. So he's, he's picking common people for this. All right. And then secondly, we have to take a deeper look at what it means when Jesus says I. He called them. All right. Prophets told people to follow God. You've got to follow God. If you follow God, you'll be blessed. If you don't follow him, you'll be cursed. Jesus says, follow me. And that's a totally different thing. When he says this, these, when he says, come follow me, I will show you how to fish for people, that's kind of weird. Like, you know, you try to contextualize this into today. And you're like, some guy comes up to you and, I don't know, you sell insurance. I'll show you how to insure people for life. And you're like, and he says, follow me. I'll come show you insurance for life. And you're like, what? What are you talking about? All right. Now, this is plain Jesus, right? This isn't Jesus coming in uh, with the aura around him. You know. We've got to understand this. We've got to put this into the context of the day. When he went and, and was baptized, you know, how many of you get this picture where music was playing in the background and, like, the, high, the sky just, you know, and starts playing and the final countdown just started. And how many of you guys, not the same picture, okay. But how many of you guys get this picture where it's like Jesus the superstar? Okay, and but we've got to realize this is just a dude. And he says to these first two, he says, hey, come follow me. I will show you how to uh, fish for people. Let's just assume that he used the same line on the second two. All right. And he does that. And they're like. Oh, cool. What a, I mean, think about that. That's almost like a teenage reaction, right? Like, oh, cool. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this. Adults, man, we're like, well, I have to contemplate it. I have to uh, pray about it. I have to see, which is good. But, you know, we've all used the pray about it, right? Yeah, man, that's great, man. Let me pray about it. Sometimes that's an out for us, right? Let me pray about it. <laughs> when you really want to just say, no way, bro. Like, let me pray about it. Let me put the weight on the Lord, okay? Uh, and you know what the answer is already. All right? And so... Uh, 
The prophet said, follow God. Jesus said, follow me. We have to flip back a couple pages. Don't worry about it. It's going to be on the screen for you. Um, Genesis 12. Taking it way back. All right. Genesis 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4, because I, I want to get us into this idea of what the call, when God calls us, what it means. So uh, Abram, this is before he became Abraham, it says this, The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord. That's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord, uh, had instructed, and Lot went with him. Okay, so check this out. God calls him. He then moves out of Abram, he tries to do his own thing, right, okay, and he's going to have his own child on his own because, man, God is getting, you know, we ain't spring chickens anymore, <laughs> me and old Sarai here, all right, uh, and uh, so then Abraham, Abram becomes Abraham, uh, Sarai becomes Sarah, and then we have Isaac, all right, and then we turn to Genesis 35, 1, uh, that's in the same book. It's just 35 instead of 12. Turn to your right. Okay, and um, 35, 1. Here's Jacob. God said to Jacob. So we had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You guys have heard of this, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you're like, who are they? All right, not Jacob Dempsey. Calm down. All right, and then God said to Jacob, get ready, move to Bethel, settle there, build an altar there. Uh, to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. There was a whole deal that went on there, which we can talk about at some other junction. And then at uh, 35.9, he says, Now that Jacob had returned um, Padan Aram, all right, from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. God blesses him, saying, Your name is Jacob, but now... It will be Jacob no longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. He says to him, Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings uh, will be among your descendants, and I will give you the land I once gave Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I give it to you and your descendants after you. Jacob makes a move. God calls him to make a move. Uh, in this, if we, if we turn on to 37, we're just going to read chapter 37 through 50, through chapter 50 today, to get a better idea of what we're talking about when we talk about God's call. Hang on. Okay, I'm going to read it fast. So Jacob, no, I'm joking. So we have Joseph here. Can you imagine this? <laughs> 37 through 50, you guys are like, what is happening? I got a lunch appointment. Um, okay, so 37, Joseph comes out of this deal. If you guys don't know the story, he kind of got treated bad by his brothers. They sold him into slavery because they're like, dude, get this cat out of here. I'm tired of him. They boom, 
They sell him to slavery. Now, out of Joseph, Joseph works in Potiphar's house. Joseph then gets in good with the Pharaoh. And then his brothers who come down desperately searching for food meet Joseph, but they don't recognize him. The same ones that put him into slavery, now he's like the top dog. There's Pharaoh and there's Joseph. Okay? We've got to get this idea, right? We've got to get this idea that... <laughs> My Uncle Steve literally has toothpicks in his eyes. Right now. This is... He's making an effort. All right, so, look, that is awesome. I could... <laughs> I'm literally looking out, and there's, I'm like, what is wrong with his eyes? He has toothpicks in his eyes. Okay. So, takes me back to my days of teaching. All right. So, here's the deal. Joseph, second in command. But we have to, we have to put this in our minds, right? Who was Pharaoh, though? Pharaoh, to the people, was a god. Right? And so you have second in command, Joseph, who is an actual man of capital G, God, of the Lord, of I am, of Yahweh, who has been, God has blessed him. And where did this all come from? This all came from a call that Abram answered. Right? And, and so when we talk about this, when we talk about Joseph and his brothers coming down, and they, they don't recognize him, and then yeah, long story, but anyways, he, they, they restore this relationship, right? This is what I love, man. Jacob comes in then, uh, Jacob journeys. This is awesome. Jacob comes in, who answered the call to move to Bethel. Uh, he comes down to Egypt. He walks in, and he blesses Pharaoh. A man of God comes in and blesses Pharaoh. And then why do you think Egypt, why do you think Egypt was doing so good? Because they were good people? They were bad people, right? They did not know God. But inside of Egypt, God is building up a nation called Israel. He has land for them. He has, do you ever think about when they left the Exodus, how much stuff, you know? They didn't just have a carry-on, all right? They had a ton of stuff and good stuff. Where did the fabric come from and the gold come from when they built the tabernacle? It was there? No, it came from their time in Egypt. Now listen, all of this happens as a response to a call. So when Jesus says to these, and Mark, these four guys, when he says to the fishermen, the common people, he says, come and follow me, here's what we're looking at. We're looking at a life-altering situation. Picture the imagery with me of fishing for people. Now, when we fish, sometimes we like to think of what? We fish, oh, I caught a four-pound bass. What do we do with it? Slice it, dice it, cook it right there. We got the, we got the, uh, no, we don't do that normally. That would be really weird. Like you have charcoal going, you're just like slice, put it on, okay? So what do we do? Ricky, what do you do with the fish that you catch? <laughs> what is that? What do you do? Do you put them back or do you like beat them and kill them right there? And 
Yeah, okay, baseball bat, all right? No, what they do, what they do when they fish is they, they take a picture like this, and it makes the fish look like it's 25 pounds, okay? It's called perspective, all right? And so what they do, though, they take the hook out, and they put it back in the water, gently tickle its belly, and it's, okay? Um, now, that's after you have placed a hook in its jaw. No, I'm just kidding. It's cool. Uh, we act like fish or like this hugely sensitive animal. Mom, I can't believe you did that. Okay, not a big deal. Here's what I'm talking about is this. Typical fishing back in the day, though, it wasn't for, oh, look at the bass I found. I'm going to post it on Instagram or whatever, Bethelgram. I don't know what they called it back then, okay? But, but they, they, they killed the fish to eat. And so it then became something hugely different. It wasn't swimming around before. Let me tell you, the, the life trajectory of that fish, when it entered that net or was hooked, it changed forever. All right? It was going to become a meal. It was no longer going to swim. And so when we talk about fishing for men, this ain't catch and release. Okay? This is hook, line, sinker. This is, I am in the net. I am going to be changed as a result of being caught by the call of God. And so when we, we cannot minimalize when they got up and they left and they said, I'm going to follow Christ, their lives were going to be changed. Their next three, three years of their lives were dramatically altered from what they would have been. They would have been fishing, which is cool, right? But they decided to answer a call to something that was higher, something that, that they responded to. And so what we have to realize is this. They, they were answering a call to die to themselves. Not my will be done, but your will be done. See, Jesus had to answer this call. If, 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 if those are the words of Jesus, not my will, but your will be done, then surely we have to answer that same question. And we have to do it daily, Right? How many of you all screw up in here? How many of you? I'm just raising my hand so that I want you to feel more comfortable, all right? All right? Dude, every day, man. Can, can I just, can I, I'm going to bring you in a second. I'm a jerk, okay? Like, yeah, calm down. All right, um, I, let me just, a hero, okay? That's what I am. I'm at the table. We're playing Farkle. How does a dad take a game of Farkle and turn it in just to a bad time? You guys know what Farkle is? Okay, it's a dice game. Well, don't weep. Okay, uh, you just add dice up. I don't know. If you get three ones, it's 300, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so you're trying to get to 10,000, and we play it for a dollar. Um, so I just take all my kids' money. I'll take that allowance back. Um, so we're playing yesterday and uh, Gabby I'm like okay what's the one plus 50 plus 50 you guys are slow on this it's 150 I thought she already did this math in school so I'm like Gabby what is what is the pro what's the diff I mean how does a father take a fun game 
like Parker, and then make his daughter never want to play again. All right? <laughs> Jen walks in to what is going on, and she said, what are you doing? She hasn't even done this now. Now, instantly, you feel like a turd. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You go from like, you're not, you know, you're not going to act like this. You know what you're doing type of thing. Total, like, you're better than this. But she doesn't know what she's doing. When, that, when, I, when I received that message that she didn't know what she was doing, I mean, I gave turd central, man. I'm like, you, I'm even to the point where, like, look, Missy, you just need to go take a nap. Because if you're going to act like a baby, then you need to go take a nap. Father of the year. Okay? I, it was, I was right there. I lost any chance that I had. Father's Day, I'm expecting nothing. <laughs> right? At all. I'm not worried. I don't deserve anything at this point. Um, and so I find all this out, and I say, okay, Lily, go get Gabby. <laughs> have her come back down. So she's like, I don't want to play. Well, I cannot blame you, all right? Um, and I apologize for being a turd. And um, yeah, I mean, you think about that, all right? He called me mayor of Turdville, okay, to be a father, all right? And holy smokes, dude. I mean, totally jacked it up yesterday. Like, totally jacked it up, all right? And uh, thank God there's, there's mercy, there's forgiveness in a little girl's heart <laughs> towards her dad. And, um, and so, yeah. So think about that. You mess up, all right? Because, I mean, I just, again, I don't want to be up here. When I'm up here talking, dude, I am, like, talking to me, period. I'm not saying, hey, you guys need to get it all together, and then we'll have a meeting where I can still teach you more about how you need to better yourself, okay? Because that's not where I'm at at all, okay? I got six kids, and uh, it's tough, right? And um, so that's what, that's what a little insight there. So he calls us regular people that have problems, that have issues, uh, that think that they'll never get resolved, and, and he works on us, all right? And so if that's you, and you didn't have a, a great morning today, you raised your voice at a kid, you thought under your breath, my kid cuts right now, and then you did, under your breath, of course, you didn't utter it out loud, all right? Um, and so he cares about you. He's calling you. I love how we feel like we have no connection with other people. It's just me. I'm the one with the problem. The kids are pumped, okay? They're going to the playground, right? And I'm the one with the problem. I'm the one with the issue. And I had a guy say to me the other day, he's like, dude, I didn't know if you'd want to hang out or not. I 
should not be thought of as a heretic. Because I, I, he has this kid, and you know they weren't married. I'm like, dude, I would never say that to your face. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but he was laughing. He was laughing. Okay, it was not like I was serious. Okay, um, I was like, no way, bro. Like, give me a break. I mean, we gotta quit acting like that should be our persona. I hate when people introduce me as Pastor Andy. Just telling you. I, I love being pastor, but it's like, this is my pastor, Andy. You see the people like, <laughs> I'm like, no, you know, or you're at a bar. This is pastor, Andy. They're like, <laughs> they like slide their beer down the, I'm like, no, give that to me. What's on? No. So, no, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, man. We just. We just want to be people. We're just called, uh, and we've answered a call. I mean, you look at Abram. You look at Isaac. You look at Jacob. You look at Joseph. Like, you look at David. You look at Daniel. These were perfect people? No. I mean, yeah, not by a long shot, but yet, yet we feel like, oh, I'm just not good enough. Newsflash, dude, you're not. And you never will be. Like, that's the deal. Like, if you were good enough, Christ didn't need to happen. Like, if you're good enough and you've got it all together, then mercy and grace don't matter. And so when you screw up, that's just, hey, you really do need God. And those are those little clues to say, hey, you should probably be seeking him more. Hey, hey, you're yelling at your daughter right now over a game of Farkle. Stop being a turd. Does God say that? I don't know, okay? I felt like it, so I felt, yeah, okay? And so, anyways, when he calls you, and he's drawing you near, and he's calling you in, and so are you going to respond? That's the question. Okay, are you willing to, to take up your stakes? Are you, willing to, are you willing to be caught by God? Not, not, in a, not in a sense where there's a hole in the net that's big enough that you can get out whenever you want to and you can come back in whenever you want to. You can get out and act whatever you want to, but when the big test is coming up that you get back in the net. That you can get out and act whatever you want to, but when the big sail is coming up, that you get back in the net, all right? And you're only caught up with him momentarily because he's a vending machine to you. Or do we say that, no, I'm going to get in this net. There's no escaping this net. But in this net, which is funny, which is confining, right, yet it's ultimately freeing. How does that happen? Like propaganda, it's backwards, right? I'm giving my life away so that I can live to the fullest. How does that make sense? It's backwards. It shouldn't be like that. The world standard would say, no, you take your life back. You own it. It's yours. You do with it what you want to. You don't need to be confined by anything. This, don't, you don't need to follow this. But Christ is saying simply, look, fish for men. Fish for the people that are around you. 
And let your life be an example of how ultimately freeing it is to have the hook of Jesus in your life. And that you don't remove it when you want to. That in the sucky times in life, that you are dependent on him. When everything is going just wonderful, that you're dependent on him. And so this morning I'm asking you, just like I'm asking myself, is is my life a reflection of that? Not every moment's going to be, I get that. But overall, is my life a dependent life on Christ? Do I find the being of who I am and the essence of who I am, is it found in Christ or is it found in myself? Because what we're going to find out is this, that our self comes to an end really quick. When stuff starts getting hard, when stuff starts getting tough, you realize really quickly how much the dependency on self does not last. And so, who is Christ? Christ is the one that is calling us to give our lives up so that we can live for him. That's who Christ is. Christ is the ultimate caller. He's over the prophets. He's over the angels. He's one and the same with God. And he's calling you. And he's calling you today. And he's saying, will you give your life up to follow me? Not part of your life. Your whole ugly, like, uh, your, you know, stuff that you keep way back in the back room of life. Will you give that up to me? Stand with me.